Hi, I'm Ali, Salon Director at the Head Gardener Hair Salon in Inverness, and I'm delighted to be sponsoring this brilliant new podcast called Lump. It's honest, raw, challenging, funny, and very, very sweary. But let's face it, cancer is a bit bloody sweary. One last thing, make sure you rate, like, and share Lump wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a million, and over to Penny. Surgery. There's a small crowd in my hospital room as my surgeon takes out his thick black pen and marks me up. I stand naked to the waist, hands on hips, as he draws a line down my sternum and circles my left breast. This is a do-not-cross line, he says to a trainee doctor, Alice, who's one of the crowd. As I turn my back, he takes a tape measure and notes a distance from my back to my nipple. Your back gets worryingly slimmer every time I see it, he comments, and I bristle at myself for being so vain as to purr slightly at what I hear is a compliment. But it's not a compliment when you're trying to form a breast out of muscle and fat from your latissimus dorsi. Alone again, and back in my gown, I peek at the lines which look like a two-year-old has been scribbling on me. I hope his surgical skills extend further than his drawing. It's eight in the morning and I've been up since shortly after six. I showered and drank a double espresso before my fluid fasting cut-off at 6.30. The fasting bit has been the easiest part of this whole process. I generally fast each day until lunchtime anyway, so this at least feels normal. David drives me the five minutes round to the hospital and elects to walk me to the ward. He stops at the entrance, bends to give me a brief kiss and says, right, I'll see you later, then leaves. We're not ones for fuss or lingering goodbyes. This is tough. We both know it is. We don't need to say any more. So I take myself the final few steps into the ward and tell the overnight nursing team that I'm here. Then it's only a short wait until I'm allocated a room and putting away my things, changing into a gown and pulling on surgical socks. After the surgeon leaves, I get a visit from a doctor who introduces himself as another David the anaesthetist. He's tall and angular, but there's a generosity of warmth about him when he folds himself into a crouch to discuss what's going to happen to me. I read you like to cycle, he says. I wore my cycling socks. And he points to the little multicoloured bicycles on the navy socks that poke out of the bottom of his scrubs. I take them as a good luck charm and tuck the knowledge of them away. We discuss an option to give me some initial local anaesthetic directly into my back and immediately past images from a spinal injection I'd once had and the epidural during B's birth lurch into my mind and I flinch. No, I don't want that, I say emphatically, and he nods in agreement. That would make me black out, and I know with certainty this time that it would. So we agree to take a different route, and I'm profoundly grateful for this ounce of control that's been gifted to me. I'm about to be naked, unconscious, utterly vulnerable, sliced open, but I still have this tiny choice that I have made. David, my David, messages me. 
Recovery starts now. I'll see you later. Bring flowers, I tell him. A challenge to the man who has never bought flowers in his life. Nope, you're not sick enough, he replies. Any more fucking sick and they'll need to spell mum for fuck's sake, I tell him. And it's good that our laughter and love provide a counterweight to my nerves. I walk to the operating theatre. Is that odd? In my mind, I always think surgery has to involve being delivered on a bed. But no, I pop on my fit-flops and walk with Dora, a student nurse, round from the ward to the Vanguard Operating Theatre, a porter cabin connected by a white corridor. As we step out of the main building, the rain thunders on the roof, and I briefly wonder if the surgical team will have that soundtrack throughout. We go through Star Trek-style sliding doors, and I'm greeted by at least half a dozen people, all in scrubs. Through another door, I glimpse even more of them together with my surgeon. So many people, all here for me. And now I'm actually here, at the point of no return. I feel strangely calm. There's a momentum here, an inevitability, a process which will be followed, and not even my left breast screams it to be halted. This is what is meant to be. So I hop on the bed and I confirm my date of birth and pass small talk with the team around me. They ask the obligatory, what is it that you do, question, that I now realise all teams ask when they're trying to divert my attention. So I play by the rules and I tell them about making radio programmes while David inserts a cannula into my right hand. He tells me when he's starting to put me under and I feel a lightness, a floating. Then I say, that's me starting to go. Then I'm gone. And then I'm waking up, in recovery. Dora is beside me, and another nurse who's watching me constantly as I come round. There's a clock on the wall opposite, and I try to work out what time it is, how long I've been away, but my eyes are greasy and unfocused. No matter how hard I try, I can't see the time. I pause and take stock. It's as if I'm doing a system reboot and my brain is systematically checking all is present and correct. But it doesn't feel entirely correct. My right foot feels wrong and my left hand is tingling. Both are disproportionately annoying. I keep thinking, surely it should be my back and chest that are bothering me. Why am I so focused on my foot and my hand? But my chest is bothering me too. I feel tight, braced and uncomfortable. How do you feel? Dora asks. Like I've been in a car crash, I say. And I do. I ask her the time and she says it's 4.40 and I try and work out how long I was in surgery. I fuss about my foot and someone removes a cannula, which had remained there. Then I'm talked through how to work my new toy, a morphine drip which I can operate with the click of a switch attached to my right hand. You can't overdose, they assure me. It won't let you. So I clutch it greedily as I'm wheeled back to my room. The surgeon comes to visit almost immediately. He looks exhausted. We look at my wounds and I'm surprised by how little bandaging there is. My left breast is battered and bruised, but apart from a dressing over the area of my nipple used to be and one on my back, I'm all there. I'm shocked. I'd expected so much more of a mess. 
There's a drain for my breast and my back. I have a drip in one hand and a catheter. But still, I don't look or feel nearly as rearranged as I'd expected to feel. He says it went well. He's pleased with how he got on. Says I might be rather small on that side. And we'd need to watch the skin as it was very thin. Need to make sure it doesn't die off. But all in all, so far, a success. I ask if he saw the cancer. He says no. He just does a mastectomy and cracks on with the job. We'll find out what the pathology lab says in a couple of weeks. Alive! I message David as soon as I'm able. I know. I'm on my way. And then there he is. Amazing, strong, resilient, silent, immovable in his belief in me. And clutching a Mars bar East egg, jelly babies, mints, an open packet of chewing gum and a very large bunch of flowers. I tip over with love for him as he comes to the side of the bed where I can reach to press my face into his jacket. And I'm cancer free for the first time in six weeks and six days. I feel cancer free too. Hi, this is David from The Head Gardener. If you're enjoying Lump Podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and share it with everyone you know. Because let's face it, cancer affects everyone around us in one way or another. We hope you enjoy listening to Lump as much as we all do. So next time you're in the salon, tell us how much you're loving Lump Podcasts and we'll give you a free gift. Coming up in the next episode. You ready to get out of here? My surgeon asked on Friday morning. I was. I told him I couldn't stand the coffee cold turkey any longer. I'm gagging for a double espresso and an avocado, I laughed. The challenges of the middle-class cancer survivor. Lump is written and presented by Penny Stewart and produced by Adventurous Audio.